So just before we start, I wanted to remind you, if you've not already done so, to please subscribe, rate and comment on whichever app you're using. It really helps to get the podcast listened to by more people. Hi, Dad. Hi, Celine. Did you know that you and I are about the same age if you count time living in the world? What do you mean? Well, as you know, I left a high-control religious group around the time you were born. So you're in your 20s then? (laughs) Well, maybe in my head. The thing is, though, because I had all of my beliefs about morals, science, politics, religion, philosophy provided for me, I spent the last 25 years trying to work out what I should think about a whole bunch of stuff and work out what's going on. No one knows what's going on, Dad. (laughs) Well, I think it's about time we did. What Should I Think About is a podcast that sets off on a lofty goal to make sense of the complicated, contradictory, confusing but wonderful thing we call the world. Hello and welcome to the What Should I Think About podcast. I'm Celine. And I'm Stephen. So today we're talking about the Pink Pound. Yeah, it's kind of a special one for us today, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Because it's our documentary. So I guess people that don't know, we also make films. Yeah. That's Evil Sheep. That's where the Evil Sheep comes from, really. Yeah, Evil, Evil Sheep, Sheep Productions, productions yeah. Yeah. which is what this podcast is produced by, is our production company. And we started off doing films. Um, and yeah, this is another one of those. We made a film. Mm-hmm. So do you want to just quickly um, describe what it's all about, Celine? Uh So it's called The Pink Pound after the uh, term that describes, I guess, like, the relationship between the LGBTQ plus community and capitalism. So the the money that is spent by gay people or the advertising that is aimed at gay people. Or the way in that... In between. Indeed. Or the, and the way that um, gay, um, I suppose, cultural references are, are used mm-hmm. in mainstream in order to move goods and services and, and stuff as well isn't it so it kind of yeah. encompasses that as well mm-hmm. yeah everything to do with uh money and capital and anything gay <laughs> that's right yeah mm-hmm. so we started to make this um over a year ago mm-hmm. in fact just really before uh the big covid debacle yeah it's probably like a month or so before lockdown I think. yeah yeah so we started we traveled down to london to speak to i suppose the our first interview, which kind of kicked it all off, which was Professor Justin Bengry. Uh, we went down to London to do that interview. So we actually did get to go out and do some outside broadcast, as they call it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was it. After that, it all locked down, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. We had a bit of a break, so we didn't know what to do because no one knew what to do because, uh, as everyone loves to or loved to say, we don't say it anymore, it was unprecedented times. Um, yeah, we had to no get used to the new normal. <laughs> yeah, it's just um, you don't want to hear it anymore, do you? Fed of, of um, going on about how weird it was. But yeah, we were in that stage of the pandemic where we all thought, oh, this is weird. This will be done soon. Um, well, it was proper lockdown, wasn't it? So we yeah. couldn't really go anywhere other than no. your allotted yeah. one exercise a day. And then that went on for quite a while. So mm. we thought, well, we're going to have to do something. Um, so we started finding interviewees online instead. So we spoke to people through the dots for one and, um, people we knew from our town in Peterborough, 
um, and yeah, we started getting uh, a, a bunch of interviewees together. We did. So essentially, we we started to, I suppose, do what we do now on the podcast, really. Um, but obviously, we we've got video as well. But we did all the interviews online. Um, so yeah, it wasn't what we'd planned to do, but um, but yeah, I think it, it's it's actually a nice little piece of work now. I'm quite pleased with it. It's really good, actually. I think it's really good. I've had some... <laughs> even though you say so yourself, Slee. Yeah, no, I've had some. I've had. I've had a sample viewing of people. My house. Oh, you've shown it. You've done a scratch yeah. version. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I didn't sample it myself. No. That doesn't count. I liked no. It. Yeah. No, as in um, my housemates yeah. watched it and they liked it. Um, mm. Yeah, they thought it was good. We've had feedback from lots of different places, and we've made it pretty decent, I think. Yeah. And um, obviously this is a podcast or you wouldn't have ever made films anyway if you were a witness unless you were making propaganda films for why being gay is bad so um you know um, it's an interesting dynamic shift for you I suppose I've always grown up thinking it's not it's not a problem at all because it's not but you didn't grow up like that obviously um as a Jehovah's Witness you are raised to believe that being gay is wrong Mm. um and i mean it's something we talked about in our last interview uh, actually which um hopefully you've heard by now uh dr clonthy and um yes you're raised to believe that it's wrong to practice um anything to do with homosexuality and although people might have feelings um that's mean they're attracted to people of the same sex they shouldn't act upon those feelings so it's kind of a forbidden identity in many respects so it's a it's a pretty um problematic view of people i think but so certainly as growing up as a as a witness i would i would never have considered making a a documentary or even being interested in the inner lives of um, the LGBTQ plus community. And so, yeah, it's completely... So I suppose in that respect, I, I, I would say that I've only over the last few years have I started to learn about, you know, a group of people, a community, if you like, if you want to describe it that way. Um, and yeah, the um, it's, it's a world that I, I just wouldn't have had anything to do with. So um, mm-hmm. and I'm ashamed to say that, you know, it's something on Twitter I tweeted recently you know i said exactly that you know i used to believe that it was wrong and i i know better now um and this is one of the areas where i think it's important to uh i suppose respect everybody's right to believe you know what they want to but there does come a point where those those beliefs do generate behavior that is actually um yeah detrimental to society Mm-hmm. so yeah. i'm pretty ashamed i was i was i suppose quite frightened of um that whole subject i was i was uh can we say brainwashed i, I don't know but um brainwashed into believing that um being gay was dangerous for all sorts of reasons and mm. um i would really try to avoid um anybody that was gay um so yeah i'm ashamed to say that it's just the way that was raised so I've gone through a massive journey and now I'm just really interested and I want to um 
I want a world where it really doesn't matter, mm-hmm. you know, what your sexuality is. It's obviously it matters to you as an individual, but it shouldn't matter to anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, the fact that you can love somebody of the same sex in that way is absolutely fine to me now. I, I don't see any problem with that whatsoever. And I struggle to understand why you should. Yeah. But it just shows you the power of religious beliefs, the way that they can alter your thinking about something. So what did we find then in the documentary? So the documentary comes out in the middle of this month. Mm -hmm. So that's really only just over a week away now. Um, We'll we'll release a proper date shortly. Um, So the documentary is coming out. It'll be available on YouTube. So we're making it generally accessible so you'll be able to watch that but what um what did we find then what was the what the findings of our documentary well i mean everybody has quite different views don't they i suppose first of all we ought to say what was the question really what what Mm -hmm. were we trying to find out so we said the subject it's about i suppose the intersection between um lgbtq plus uh lives and commerce um, and this often gets called the pink pound. But what were we interested in? What were we trying to find out? Well, there was a few questions, weren't there? There was um, the question of, do you think it? Do you think it exists at all? The pink pound as a concept. Do you, okay, is it a thing? Yeah. Okay. Do you like it? Most people agree that it exists, but then, is it a good it, thing? Is it a good thing? Yeah. Um, who's creating it like is it a community-led thing or is it a marketeers-led thing uh, generally the answer to that is a, is a bit of both in it um uh, and there's a nuance in there as to that but um also questions yeah of the ethics of it really yeah so i think we were particularly interested in um individuals within various parts of that community i mean in itself that's sometimes a little bit of a problematic concept um you know because obviously people are very different and uh, you know in within that grouping you've got um uh, you know gay people and you've also got people who are trans which are quite mm-hmm. different obviously in their experiences um and we did talk a little bit about that with some of the uh, interviews mm-hmm. i think um, but if you do take the the whole, I suppose, group uh, as a whole, um, we were interested in whether it's kind of empowering to gay people. You know, does the fact that they have this power, this consumer power, does that make it easier for gay people? Has that made it easier for gay people to become integrated into society? Um, and so that I think there is a there might be an assumption that actually, yeah, you know, cause actually it is giving power to people. As mm. soon as you say this group of people have some money and, um, capitalism, you know, identifies these people as consumers that gives them some power. If they mm. have, if there's nobody cares what they're like or what they can buy, then obviously they, then that, I suppose the assumption is they will have less power in society because they've got no money and, you know, money is a big part of power within, uh, within capitalist societies, which of which we are. So 
I think that was for me that was one of the most interesting things. You know, are are we thinking that um, actually part of the reason why um, gay people are much more integrated into society and accepted within society is that partly because of this mechanism of capitalism that's created that's given them some power mm. i had i had no idea what the answer to that was and so that for me was one of the interesting questions you know does it give does it give a, a group power that wouldn't have had it otherwise if it does then in a way that gives a bit of a a, a positive mark um you know on your tally sheet for capitalism because it potentially means that lots of groups can enjoy increased power and increased influence in the world by means of helping them come out of poverty or you know be identified as a as a group with with a disposable income on the other hand you might say you know is that the way it should be shouldn't we be accepting people for what they are and who they are you know does it matter if they've got money or not and then of course you've got questions of well what about parts of the community that don't have money and I think we identified some of that, didn't we, in our interviews? So I think something that happened when we were speaking to Justin, the professor of queer history at Goldsmith University, um, was that obviously the pink pound has not just existed since it's been quote unquote allowed to be gay. Um, it's been something that was marketing to what, like they knew that there was people that were gay. They just weren't able to be gay outwardly. Mm. Um so they like marketing is just it's it's not just for like like power dynamics it's just you know whilst it yeah it's of course that's true but you so would one of the things that justin talked about was the um early days of within the sort of 20th century early days of the 20th century i suppose um or the 1950s middle of the 20th century um magazines like men only um, would advertise to uh, well obviously it was still technically legal to be gay so that that's the context so it's certainly not obvious that um, if you're gay you've got any power um, but it was recognized that there were uh, mainly men and mainly pretty well off men who were gay and therefore were a market that could be targeted so that in a way could be seen as the beginning of a of a process by which gay people started to be you know considered a a, a group of some importance and i say that with square quote um square quotes around um and i, I mean that's my question really is you know did that did that sort of thing help? So we now, I would think, I would say we have a much, our society is much more accepting towards uh, people who are gay. Um, is that primarily because as a society we're more enlightened now? Or is it because as a society, people who are gay have become more powerful through their buying power or at least is that part of part mm. of the picture i don't that's think part of the question isn't it yeah i don't think brands have like helped by being i don't think they're doing 
campaigns has necessarily been the driving I don't think they've been dri- the driving force I think it's just easy for them to get onto it now like d- doing a T-Mobile like whatever using an insert brand here supports pride is easy to do now and I don't think it is necessarily like paving the way do you know what I mean it's just like no but I, I that's I think that's right but um that's not really what I'm asking I'm saying even if it's not recognized so even though so so we look look at men only magazine who had adverts for um targeted towards gay men um particularly in relation to I don't know fashion and uh things like that and they were targeting these men I'm sure the people, the, the editors and the advertising executives at Men Only magazine weren't thinking, oh, you know, how do we help get this community more mainstream? Well, one way might be to, you know, raise their profile and, and sort of by, by advertising to them. No, of course, they've just identified a market. So there's no conscious how do we help gay people going on there, as far as I can see. Um but the mechanisms of capitalism, is that what's helped the community? Or at least has it helped in part mm. um, to become more powerful, more, um, yes, a, a group that suddenly somebody cares about. Even if that thing they care about is the fact they've got some disposable income, mm-hmm. it still gives them power. Mm. Without that, they have no power. So did that, did that help? with this process and is that a historical process that kind of starts with that and then as that group becomes more powerful then then we start to get more of the um i suppose the moral questions the ethical questions about whether we should accept people for who they are or has this got nothing to do with it is it just completely the two things have nothing to do with each other you know it just happens that there are periods when this group has some power and there's periods when it doesn't. And then you've got this other thing, which is societal breaking downs of barriers and, you know, being more accepting, uh, being more accepting about different types of people. Don't know. Yeah. And that was part of the, part, what the question was, I think that we wanted to address. Yeah. I think personally, I think from, you know, because I've had lots of conversations posting the documentary now with other people as well, and obviously mm. have been listening to everybody that did the interviews many times. I think personally, the money you have and the place you hold in society doesn't necessarily have anything to do with your being gay or not. So it's not necessarily to do with it. It it might be a tenuous thread, I suppose, but um, of of that in the sense that I guess when we've seen a lot of change has been post things like Stonewall riots and things like that, which are not to do with, um, or if anything, they're like abrasively against the, the, to mm. the current societal situations. Um, but I'm sure there are, you know, it's a complicated conversation and that's why we did the film um, yeah. to discuss it. It's a, it's, a, it's a very good question because, you know, you think about, groups like Stonewall I think um, you could identify groups like that as being quite left-leaning if not 
um, quite quite far on the left. Um, and issues like that are associated with the left of politics, I think. So things like um, gay rights and, you know, the mm-hmm. uh, the right to, to marry um, somebody of the same sex and even, you know, um, have relationships and so on. These, I think, tend to be, uh, not always, not exclusively, but tend to be pursued by the politics of the left, whereas the right tends to be more obviously conservative. So anything that is pushing boundaries can be problematic to the right. And that's more where capitalism comes from and where fundamentalist religious beliefs tend to sit. So it does seem that if you're looking at a kind of ethical push, that's likely to come from the left. But my question, the irony might be (laughs) that one of the most important places where uh, a a community that is in some respects marginalised, one of the most important things that can happen is that they gain buying power. I think I would suggest that here's my here's my um, potentially like statement you know like like rattle some cages like (laughs) I think I think in this version of the argument of presenting I think the left does the hard work and then the right reaps the fruits of that labor by then making like an advert that is not pushing really any boundaries it's just doing what they already did do you know what I mean so like they'll do this hard work to make it acceptable and push all that and you know do do protests and push for equal rights and so on and they'll do those things and it'll be really hard and people will be like spitting in their faces and stuff and then a big corporation will do a pride campaign that like yeah is good for association and so on and like being like you see gay is good but it's like they they, they're not going to face the same kind of backlash do you know what i mean okay um so uh, this is interesting because i find myself i'm not sure i uh, I'm not sure which side I, I sit on, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, kind of I play think they both exist, and I'm here. saying they're both important. But I don't think like I think it's like easier for like the capitalist side to just then, because they're never gonna pick. They're never gonna. If you're a capitalist, if you're about making money, you're never gonna pick a failing bet, are you? You're never gonna pick something no, that's obviously let, let, gonna lose you money. Uh, let me just give you a, a kind of the way I'm I'm thinking about this. So and 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 by the way. I think we also need to notice how uh, conservative voices, and I mean that in a small c, I'm not talking about politically, necessarily politically conservative. I mean, people that don't want change, if you like, in, in these areas. But if you think about the way that they spot risks to the status quo, that gives you a clue to what's going on. So if we think back to... Um, again, let's talk about fashion. So, uh, and I can remember some of this being born in the 60s. This was when there were um, gay styles being brought into the mainstream. So how how this works or how it seems to work is that a, a, gr- a consumer group, if you like, a group of people so let's say this is the the gay community. Um, let, let's let's take a, a subsection. Let's take gay men. Gay men, um, and and this goes back to some of the characters that Justin was talking about. Um, gay men would introduce more 
interesting fashion styles. I mean, let's say it more flamboyant, more colourful. John um, Stevens is the person John Stevens, people like that. Yeah, so different colour ties and different colour suits and more interesting shirts. If you go back before then, these are like you know it was style. quite these were quite radical. These ideas of of, of these sorts of dress, um, and it was mainly driven by um, a community that first of all had probably no power but once it's recognized that they are a consumer group that have money then there's going to be products and services directed at them and we're taking fashion as the example so that's what happens first so first of all there is an industry that is directed towards these individuals but then what happens is those fashions those styles start to become adopted by more mainstream consumers and so what then happens is that you know even my dad wears a fancy tie you know and Mm. a suit that might a few years ago have been seen as a bit effeminate but now it's it's got now into the into the mainstream if you like Mm. at which point that's when you start to get the adverts for this and that and the other which in many respects might be forgotten that that's where the it kind of came from originally. And this is where you're describing the maybe the exploitation of, of, mm-hmm. of these things. But it's only happened, it's only been possible because of this initial seed that was this gay community that essentially seeded these ideas or seeded these fashions. Mm-hmm. It's then adopted by a more mainstream set of, consumers at which point yes of course that's when all the marketeers jump on this this is the next big thing blah 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 blah. um but that's only happened because of what happened before so that's my point is that ideas and concepts and even though um the link between the the gay community and these new styles might not be explicitly obvious there is a kind of an understanding in some that that's at least got some relationship to it, which in itself is starting to mainstream these ideas. So, you know, what's wrong with a man wanting to look nice? What's wrong with a man wanting to smell nice? In my dad's day or in my granddad's day, you know, what's the matter with you? You know, are you a girl? Um, but then because of this this process, we, we start to normalise and accept things that we wouldn't have done before. I'm saying we as a society. And what makes me say this is that, again, all you need to do is listen to the fears of conservative voices. And when I was growing up, it was very, very clear. You know, don't go to discos because it's all, you know, there's lots of homosexuals there. Don't wear these types of clothes because it's designed by gay designers and even now you know we talk about tight pants tony you know the jehovah's witness governing body member who who is dead set against tight trousers because he thinks that that's been designed by gay people now what what does he think is going to happen you know just because it may that 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 cut of tailoring may have come from um a gay designer who knows are they trying to turn everybody gay? No, of course not. But 
what it is doing is it's mainstreaming ideas and fashions and along with that comes a community so that's my argument is that in and and you know you you the question is what does what is most powerful is it um the the occasional march with like the stonewall riots or you know direct action like that does that drive change or is change really happening because ideas concepts come into the mainstream via a whole bunch of different uh, methods or different routes some of that is fashion some of that is entertainment music films and the reason I, I, I am so aware of this is because that is what we were so frightened of that's why we couldn't go to watch certain films that's why we were warned against popular music that's why we were warned against going to discos because these are the things that are trying to normalize all these bad things so if the conservative voices recognize it then I think that suggests that you know something is happening here Mm. so I suppose my question is does a riot or a march get you further or does um mainstreaming people's lives and people's communities through things like um, fashion and entertainment is that more powerful than the than the riot I suppose I'm not saying uh, my my debate is not saying which one is doing more necessarily and what I'm saying is like like what is more like I, I think one has to come before the other and I don't think I don't think mainstreaming comes before I would dif- I disagree with that. I, I think it is that that happens first. Mm-hmm. But that's a really interesting question, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. like, pride, pride only happens because of, like, the reason that pride happens when pride happens every year is because of those riots. That's that was the first one. You know, that's what inspired to do pride. So. Yeah then all of these floats and advertisers that are using mm. pride, how do they do a thing that doesn't exist? Do you see what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a really good point. That's a really good point. It's a good counter argument. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, yeah, it's a great point. I think it's like, it all comes together. Um, to it all. Yeah. It all comes together. And no one's got like, just because some people like, and not everyone can do, either of those things you know what I mean like maybe it is easier for someone to like to show um allyship or show their um like pride in their community by engaging with like quote-unquote capitalist things like clothing or um paying money to go to certain things or events or whatever like than it is to uh do you know civil rights activist stuff do you know what I mean like mm. not everyone gets so it's not to like valorize one over another I just think it's important to recognize the like hard work that things like protests and, and the riots mm. and those early like the face you know the thing that makes pride um the first pride so to speak you know like the, it's important to remember that that was like I, that's kind of nothing but scary do you know what I mean important to recognize the necessity of that to then do all the fun stuff yeah i mean just give you an example so peter tatchell who when i was growing up was a a really vocal 
and I was I would describe as quite militant, very militant um, gay rights activist. And I remember growing up, kind of finding him pretty terrifying. Actually, I I, I was quite scared of him. He was he was, you know, everything that I was taught to fear. Mm. <laughs> um, and he would demand, uh, you know, uh, rights for gay people. And you know, he was only asking for what was absolutely due. Um, and now I look at him and I, I completely. I admire him massively. He's, he's, mm-hmm. he's a humanist like me. And, you know, I have nothing but admiration for, for Peter Tatchell. Um, but in the day I was frightened by him. He was never going to change my mind. <laughs> you know, mm. that, that approach was never going to make me think, um, oh, actually, I'm, maybe I need to rethink this, you know. <laughs> but mm. what what might and what probably has over the years apart from obviously not having that poisonous um, dogma anymore in my, in my head, but is the fact that, you know, you, you get to know people and um, you, you start to associate the, the community, if you like, with the sorts of things that everybody likes to do and want to do, and it, it doesn't become scary anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's, so that's why I think that is so important, but I, I do take your point. And, I guess it's the same question if you come to things like uh, the fight for women's rights. You know, I know Emily Pankhurst, you know, was it down to to her activity and and, um, the suffragettes and people like her? Um, Or actually did, uh, was it more about other types of social movements that were less, um, you know... Well, it's always a debate. The, the thing that they always make you do at school was do the conversation yeah. between the suffragettes and the suffragists, which is very slight difference, but one was militant and one was not. Right, um, yeah, great. There's a debate that the suffragists were having conversations behind closed doors with politicians during the war and such, um, making kind of yeah. uh, debates, uh, conversations as to when they'll get which rights, you know, agreeing to... Um, what's it called when you concessions when they're agreeing to certain concessions and so yeah. on um where the suffragettes would not agree to such things right and um, they would you know uh go to people's houses and and break stuff and burn stuff and so on but yeah also i feel the anger you know because it's like mm. it's it's hard to it's it's easy to maybe look back a hundred years and go well they should have just done you know yeah, what the suffragists did like i yeah. just kept kept cool they got what they needed eventually and it's like yeah but when you're in it i mean they didn't do you know what i mean because yeah, they'll, they'll die and not get that strategic view it's easy to do that if you're like 100 years and you've got stuff do you know what i mean mm. but for them even i don't know if them even in their lifetime they would have really ever felt the full effects of what they've done do you know what i mean because it is slow and you don't want it to be slow as a person because life and, is short and I su- yeah i suppose the thinking about today's um fights mm-hmm. you know we think about um the the black community people of color in the united states particularly but here as well in the uk around the world um i think there is a feeling that you know We've tried it for so long, to, mm. um, but ultimately the status quo remains um, yeah. unless there is a 
a real you know that's enough we have had enough of this yeah. you can't ignore and it so, anymore because exactly. it's easy to ignore and it's easy yeah. to take so for instance like yes with the that the mainstreaming of certain things with like fashions with John Stevens and stuff, but he was still hiding his own sexuality, you know, yeah. um, as Justin explains in the documentary, mm. you know, people are like, Oh, is this gay? And it's like, of course not. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, you know, yeah, he was lying and a lot of people knew that, but he had to, and that, mm. do you know what I mean? And it's like, I think everyone has a right to be who they are outwardly absolutely absolutely and um, I suppose I'm just um, I'm just asking the question as to not not saying that uh, you know there's no place in society for um, for civil unrest or civil disobedience and you know even at times to um, to break the law Um, because there's lots of nations around the world with terrible laws um that need need to go away Mm -hmm. um so i i don't think you know that the the law is sacred um if it's a bad law and if if there's things that are happening that that shouldn't be happening then that in a way is the last recourse of of the common people isn't it to Mm -hmm. to be able to demonstrate that um okay so i mean that's this is all the fascinating underpinning of why we wanted to talk about this. And so mm-hmm. we, we interviewed uh, Professor Justin Bengry uh, first, and then we, we got to speak to others. Do you want to talk about some of the other people we met? Along the way? Yeah, so the people we spoke to, so we have we wanted to have a different different groups of people sort of representing different mm. parts of the acronym. <laughs> so, you know, we have, um, uh, so we have uh, Simon Green, who does the Peterborough Pride, and he's yep. a gay man in Peterborough. Um, Peterborough Pride is quite new still, so mm-hmm. uh, he's doing some really great work um, mm. putting that together. I think Peterborough's Pride is actually going to be in August this year, um, right. like the proper you know celebrations and stuff. They're obviously sure. doing stuff online all the time, and they're doing stuff in June. Mm. But um, like the outdoor, hopefully, you know, vaccinated safe times in <laughs> of August is, is fingers yeah. crossed going to happen. Simon was great, wasn't he? Such a nice guy. Yeah, really lovely um, and yeah. really interesting to speak to. Yeah. Um, yeah, has some really good points to make. Um, yes. So, uh, and also coming at it from the point of view as being a father of a trans son. So, that's right. Um, you know, some of the questions, he's got that frame of mind on yeah. it as well, um, as raising someone in this society who's young and, you know, wanting to make the world the best they can for their, their son. And, and I feel that Simon um, was kind of conscious of this discussion that we've just had in a way, mm-hmm. um, because obviously Pride does um, work with businesses yeah, because they sponsor some of the things that are happening. So I think, you know, there's a, an awareness that um, there is a kind of potential for uh, exploitation is it exploitation is it appropriation when certain things are done is it an opportunity though for um yeah like is it a relationship you know. is it two-way um, yeah exactly yeah so i think I simon think, was very conscious yeah. of that yeah and um i don't think anyone that we spoke to would look down at anyone for being involved in capitalism we all are unless you live yeah. like in a hut in the middle of nowhere <laughs> you're involved in capitalism yes so yeah 
Uh, we all understand that. So we, yeah, I expect to sign really interesting. Uh, yeah. Getting someone's opinion that has to work with businesses and you know mm. can see the value of working with businesses, but also yeah. understands the the danger as well. So That's that was right. interesting. Yeah. Uh, then we also spoke to Gabs from my university, um, someone yeah. that was on my course. Um, uh, she is a uh, bisexual woman, um, so uh, we were getting her opinion, kind of like as a young uh, bisexual person now living in London, had lived in a small sort of town before that yep. that kind of point of view um mm. we also spoke to uh abby garcia who is um she they so a non-binary queer person um that we spoke to um who's currently living in seoul in korea or at least at the time of recording yes um, uh, they were so we um spoke to her that's really good um we also spoke to tishon smith who is a uh, gay man um, is a uh, gay black man uh, also living in London at this point um, I think he was originally from Barbados I think yeah was. I believe that is what he said mm. yeah um, and as for I should clarify as well that um, Abby is also um, Filipino ex um, and uh, when we spoke to Abby um, she also explained that she's um got Filipino family, lived in America and at the time of recording was living in Seoul. Yeah. So Absolute very well child traveled. of the world. <laughs> yeah. So really interesting. Lots yeah, of yeah, interesting, interesting. Um, yeah. you know, things to bring from everybody. So it was really cool. Mm. Really great group mm. of people to talk to. Yeah. Um I mean as a you know fifty four year old man, um obviously the, with the background I've got, I suppose I found I found it really uplifting talking to to everybody um you know and what one of the things that i felt was that whilst yes there are issues that that um i think they very eloquently identified the the feeling i, I got from them was one of optimism and um you know a, a desire just to embrace uh life society and you know it, there was no kind of anger and bitterness uh, about the people that we spoke to. So I'm sure that they've experienced um, their share of um, prejudice and, um, you know, I'm sure they've had experiences where they've, they felt, uh, you know, unwelcome or whatever, but that didn't come across. It just came across as really interesting, fun people who, you know, just wanted to live their lives and enjoy life, and uh, yeah, and obviously wanted to progress um, equality and a world where everybody can just get on with their own lives and do what they want to do. But um, it wasn't there wasn't any kind of um, you know anger there. It was just just interesting to listen to them all. Yeah, really great. So yeah, so that was um, that's the pink pound. We're we're gonna as I say we're gonna be re- releasing that next week, probably by the time you hear this um yeah. this podcast. So look out for it and um yeah, please please watch it on the YouTube channel, the Evil Sheep YouTube channel. And um yeah, if you can like it, that's even better. <laughs> yeah, you can um leave some comments. You can subscribe to the channel and you'll see it when it comes out, or mm. what I would like to do is do a premiere video so you will see um it should show 
like a little thumbnail and a premiere icon you can um yes ring a little bell icon i think that tells yes. you when it's coming out yeah. so you won't miss it and you can talk in the live chat and say what you think too good so that's it really we just wanted to talk about that we think it's an important and interesting issue um obviously this month is gay pride officially um and we've been making this film for over a year now and it kind of just happens that we're just getting finished now so it's mm. coming out at the right time um we've got various different interviews coming up with um a number of people who are uh part of that community if you like and um so hopefully you'll find that interesting too Good. Thank you very much. Thank you. See you next time. Bye. Bye. What Should I Think About is an Evil Sheep production.